Now when Jesus heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew to Galilee. He left Nazareth, made his home in Capernaum by the sea. I've been there. In the territory of Naphtali and Naphtali, or I should say Zebulun and Naphtali. So that what had been spoken through the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, on the road by the sea across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sit in darkness have seen a great light. Those who sat in the region in the shadow of death, the light has dawned. For that time Jesus began to proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of God has come near. As he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And as he went from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, and in a boat with their father Zebedee, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. Let us pray. Dear Lord, help us to see the beginning of this earthly ministry and what it means in our call. How a great light is shining and we are being called to something much greater than we could ever imagine. Lord, let us claim this in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I've always loved the banners here at the church, and as you know, Mr. Miss Francis, our banner, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, Isaiah, the ninth chapter, the sixth verse, we see that the prophecy is being fulfilled in Christ Jesus. That's important. Jesus didn't show up on a certain day and things happen. He had been spoken about by uh, you know, God's spirit centuries and eons before. In fact, from the very beginning, the presence of Christ has been promised. And now it has come to pass, and Jesus now is starting his earthly ministry. We don't know a lot about the time before that, other than as a young boy, he went to the temple, and he showed great wisdom and understanding to the scholars and scribes there. But what we do know is that he came in a special way, and he came to fulfill the prophecy of a Savior. We need a Savior. We need a Savior bad in this world we live and the life we find ourselves in. We need to be saved. Oh, some claim they do not need to be saved, but I guarantee you no matter how, how strong a person may be, there is a time we need help, and we need help now. There are whole cities in China right now that are completely isolated. The army is surrounding them, and the people aren't allowed to leave, and they're living in great fear of an epidemic that's sweeping through the population. No matter how far we get in our technology and our advancement, it seems the most basic of things bring about a great deal of fear. But something that alleviates fear is light. Light is able to show us there is nothing in the darkness to be afraid of. I can tell you, as a young boy, I had to have a light. <laughs> and I, I had a little night light. My mama got me. She got it at a dollar store somewhere. And my daddy said, why do you need a night light for a boy? And I said, because I'm scared. And he said, what you scared of? And I said, I'm scared. There's something in the darkness that may jump out and try to get me. <laughs> now, some of you got night lights. I know you do. Some of you got to have a light on when you sleep. See, we live in a world that is afraid. Being afraid is actually a very healthy thing. 
because it allows us to know that it's a dangerous world and we have to be careful. So in the scripture, let's look at it and understand what truly is taking place. Now Jesus, he starts his ministry, notice, in Galilee. Not at Jerusalem, not the southern end of Israel, but he starts it in the northern end, which is considered more of a Gentile area. He starts it for the people there, and there he finds his first disciples. So he left Nazareth, which is about midway of the country, and he went north in Capernaum. And I've been to Capernaum, I told you, I have a picture in the office, if you ever want to see it, come by and I'll show it to you, of me at this very synagogue uh, where the foundation stones are part of the same one Jesus was at, and there um, almost knocked myself out because the doors in the old days were shorter. I don't know if people were shorter or they had to bow down, I don't know, but I come walking into the door and I pound my head on that piece of cement, you know, rock, granite, almost knocked myself out. My brother's laughing at me. The church people are staring at me, and I'm sitting there trying to clear my head. And I'm thinking to myself, Lord, why'd you let me almost get knocked out here? And I'm thinking to myself, what's the great spiritual meaning of all this? And what the meaning is, sometimes you got to duck. <laughs> sometimes you got to, you know, pay attention to what's around you. So Jesus comes at Capernaum in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali, and he's come to fulfill what this prophet Isaiah is talking about. In this land, there will come there the road by the sea, across the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who sit in darkness have seen a great light. Those who have sat in the region in the shadow of death, light has dawned. In the beginning, God spoke into being the very light. What is this order? What is this wonderful substance of life that gives purpose to our life? And here the people have said in darkness, and now they're seeing a great light come. Of course, the great light's obvious. What is the great light for us? The great light is the sun that shines upon us. Do you know if the sun went out right now? Boom. It'd take four minutes for us to know it. Yeah. The light, it travels the speed of light. And it's about four minutes away by the speed of light. So we wouldn't know it for four minutes. So we would live in light even though the light were gone. But the light of Jesus does not go out. It eternally shines. We do not have to worry about it going supernova. Are we losing the source of the light? It is there. All we have to do is just pay attention, open our eyes, and we shall see. The people who have sit in darkness, he said. Isaiah is making it clear that some people are sitting in darkness. Now they see the great light. For those who sit in the region of the shadow of death, light has dawned. And from that time, Jesus began to proclaim, repent, for the kingdom of God has come near. Now, I like this word repentance. Our culture now doesn't like it. People don't like saying they're sorry. People don't like saying I need to be forgiven. For some reason, people have become very conceited about this and claim that they don't need to repent. But repent is good for the soul because repent lets us let go and let God. It allows us to live our life no longer bound by darkness, but to live in the light. The light, it shines, and the truth is there. And it's a wonderful thing when truth is known because it surrounds us and lifts us up and reveals not just our faults, which are bad. It reveals God's grace, which is good. And God has wonderful grace. And we're studying grace. And the more I read the book, the more I realize grace is a lot more complicated than I thought. 
because sin is a lot more complicated than I thought. People are a mess, aren't they? Living a life. You notice I said this at the Bible study, but it's true. If you remember, my favorite Andy Griffith shows are the black and white Andy Griffith shows. You remember those, the black and white ones? It's like to go to aid the dynamite. You, you know, all those episodes, they were great. I've got a book in the office. I can go over every episode. We were arguing about an episode this morning. Brad said there was a bear chased the mayor up the tree. And I'm having trouble remembering that uh, episode. Some of you, you know, you may know that episode. I must have been asleep during that episode. But if you remember the black and white Andy Griffins, it, the problems always came from where? From inside Mayberry, right? It was Barney and Otis and... The problems always came inside, but then they changed it to color. You remember that? They changed it to color about 1967 or so. I don't know the year. And then you remember the problems came from outside Mayberry. Like the movie studio comes and going to film everybody. The mayor wants his daughter to be a movie star and the whole bit. You, you know the episodes. I love Andy Griffith. My daddy could sound just like him when he wanted to. He'd tell the stories. I'd laugh so much. See, in the story, what we find out is problems do come from inside, and problems definitely come from outside. And we live in a world right now that is in that issue, in that problem of things internally and externally. So how do we deal with that? Well, Jesus deals with that by saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. Now, what is this kingdom? The kingdom is a citizenship. It means you're a member. It means you are a part of a culture. To be a part of the kingdom means you are a child of God. The kingdom of God is real. You're a U.S. citizen. If you're born in the U.S., you claim your citizenship. Well, you have to be born into heaven's light to be a citizen of heaven. And so to be a citizen, he's saying this kingdom you have to repent. You have to let go of your old allegiances and claim your new allegiances. In other words, if you're going to be a Christian, be the best Christian you can be. Be good in everything you do. When I went to Hornet Central over there, and I'm pointing the wrong way, I think it's that way. Can't ever keep it straight. You can ask Miss Kathy. I was a good boy. I was. I was a good boy. I'm proud of that. I was a good boy. It's a good thing because as a preacher, he'd come back to haunt me right now if I'd have been a bad boy. If I'd have torn Lillington up, you know, like some of the boys did, those mean old Johnson boys, I ain't talking about nobody. <laughs> Y'all would have said that preacher, he's a mean boy. No, I'm a good boy. I was a good boy. I was known on the football team as the only one who didn't say a bad word. There were a few who didn't, you know, say very many, but I didn't say any. I was Richie Cunningham. That's a Happy Days reference. Some of you may remember that TV show. I didn't say a bad word. And people, I noticed, started not cursing around me. I told my dad and my mom, and they said, well, you've been a good influence. You're like a good apple in a bad barrel. In other words, you can be good and influence. And a Christian should always make every place they work, they learn, they live a better place. The Christian, we're told in the Bible, make very good citizens. We even said that to Rome and said, don't persecute us because we make good citizens. We pay our taxes. We're good citizens. See, Jesus is establishing a new kingdom with new rules. And the rules are that we love each other. The rules are that we are forgiving the rules that we are grace-filled. 
the rules uh, we are obedient, the rules we serve. You know, the word Islam, people of Islamic faith, when we were over in Kuwait five times a day, they pray starting at 3 a.m. in the morning. It woke me up. I heard this holy man out there singing, and it's not a recording. It's a real person singing over a microphone, and five times a day they pray. The word means submission. But Christianity is not about submission. It is about freedom. It's the freedom to live life the way we are being called to live life. But we can only start this journey of salvation in the light. And when we walk in the light, nothing of darkness can cling to us. We have to claim the angels, what I call the angels of our better nature. And everybody here has got angels of your better nature. Everybody here has got the opportunity to be the better person, to be the person God calls us to be. We are in a day right now where people think it's easy to get away with this and to get away with that and to justify this and to justify that. But just like Andy, I don't need a gun to you know, make my point. Now, Barney needs a gun, but he don't need bullets. He only needs one bullet. He keeps it in his pocket, you know. I love that, you know. I just, this show was so remarkable, and who can ever forget when Opie, he, he hurt the, you know, the mama bird and had to take care of the baby bird. You remember that? Some of you are tearing up right now because of that. That episode, you remember he had to let the bird go at the end, and he's saying, it's sad, I've lost a bird, but he's, but Andy, you know, the father said, well, just think how beautiful the trees are now, how beautiful the songs of the birds are. See, we need that figure in our life. We need that person who can tell us what is good, what is beautiful, what is wholesome, what is true, what is loving. But we live in a culture so many people have been betrayed and been hurt by other people, and we have people now who are on the warpath to try to stop this evil, and it should be stopped, and it should be called out, and light should be shined. But let me say, let us not lose hope for the better things. So what does Jesus do in response to this repentance? He does what he does with us. He calls. And he walked by the Sea of Galilee. Imagine Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee. Which side would he be on? He'd be on the north side because Capernaum was there on the north side. And that's where Peter had his fishing business. And he saw two brothers, Simon Peter and Andrew. Understand, Andrew is my favorite disciple. Why is Andrew my favorite disciple? Because he went and he got the loaf and the fish. He's the one that went and got a, a situation here. He was a go-getter. I like Andrew, even though he's not considered part of the inner core of James and John, the sons of Zebedee and Simon Peter, the rock upon which the church is built. Andrew, to me, is an active believer. I've just always loved Andrew. I went to Drew University. That's where I got the doctor's degree. I love the concept of active ministry where a person is involved and they love to do what God is calling them to do. And so Jesus says to them, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him in this miraculous moment of the call. And then Jesus makes the call and then we respond because we know the voice. We know the voice. You know the voice of Christ. You've heard it before. I pray you're hearing it now. I pray you hear it inside of yourself, not through me, but as a conduit, a voice of God. I hope you hear this voice each and every day of Christ speaking to you because he talks to us. What's that great hymn? He walks with me and he talks with me and he what? 
tells me what? I, I look at the choir because they know. I am his own. Where's the mama on Andy Griffin? We don't know. We don't really know. There's stories. There's ideas. She died in childbirth with Opie. We do not know. Why did this show, which uh, lasted, in fact, it's never gone off the air. <laughs> Since it's opened up, it's literally been on reruns, and I don't know how long ago that is. See, why do people love this show? Because it talks about things and shows love and family and faith. It shows what can happen when people believe in each other and they allow their lives to be governed by a greater truth. See, here is where we are. When I first moved to Roanoke Island, I, I wanted real bad to meet Andy Griffith <laughs> uh, on the show Andy Taylor because he, he bought uh, the north end of Roanoke Island, part of it over by the fort. The reason he did is as a young North Carolina Chapel Hill student, <laughs> I have to mention that, um, he went down and did some summer shows down at the Lost Colony, the oldest outdoor drama in America. Lost Colony shows, the Lost Colony on Roanoke. We know the mystery of the settlers who settled there. They disappeared. We don't know what happened to them. Well, he went down and he played a part in that, and he fell in love with the Outer Banks. In fact, many of the church members were good friends with Andy Griffith. He would come over and eat biscuits. They said he loved biscuits and he loved to eat, and he'd drop by uh, because they worked with the show. A lot of the members of the church were different uh, cast members. Uh, in fact, one was a little boy. You remember he climbs up and he gets the little gun and everything. That was one of my members who's an older man, did it years ago. Well, Andy Griffith lived there. And he actually was a member of Mount Olivet, United Methodist Church, and Mount Olivet's in Manio, and I was at Bethany and Juan Cheese, and so I'm trying to tell Jerry Cribb, who's pastor <laughs> over at Mount Olivet, I got to meet Andy Griffin. I mean, I've lived my whole life, and, I, I, and I've seen him, but I want to meet him, and uh, he was a Methodist lay preacher, by the way. And then uh, Jerry said, well, I, I don't think I can take you over there. I, I'm a fan. I'm a lifelong fan. You've got to do this. What, what will it cost me to get me over there? I just can't do that. I can't violate sacred trust I have with him. And so I'm figuring I'll never get to see the man. And one day um, at the hardware store, there he was. And I'm standing there, and I go to him. I say, Mr. Griffith, I'm a lifelong fan. I'm a preacher down at Juan Cheese. He said, I, I know where Juan Cheese is. I go by there all the time on my little boat when I sail around the island. And I said, isn't that something? I said, you know, I really think of just a lot of you and what you did. And he said, oh, it's just me acting. A very humble man. I saw him again when they tried to bring water, city water on the island. Understand those Outer Banks people, they wanted their well water. I, I don't know why, but they wanted their well water. And he was against the water being brought in because he said it would commercialize and the whole bit. Well, here's what happened. He passed away. On a certain morning, around 8 o'clock, and his funeral was 11 o'clock the same morning. Yeah. And why did he do that? I asked Jerry at a meeting. I said, I never heard of somebody being buried so fast. What happened? He said, well, he didn't want to upset the people of the Outer Banks with all the news crews and the tourists. And, and he didn't want us to be bothered. Isn't that just like Mayberry? It, 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 here, the truth is he wasn't just an actor. 
And he was a man with weakness. He is a man that had some problems, but it doesn't change the fact that he chose the better way. And his better way was living in through the character that he indeed embodied. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fish for people. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And he went from there and he saw two other brothers. Notice what's happening here. God isn't calling individuals. He's calling families. He's calling families. My brother's jumping out of good airplanes at Fort Bragg for some reason. I don't know. And I'm preaching over in the Sand Hills. And I'm going to seminary at Wake Forest. And I have this awesome dream. And in the dream, my brother's being called by God. And so I call over and I said, I'm coming to Fayetteville. And I drove all the way from the Sand Hills in that little Hyundai. I had a little Hyundai XL, a little car. I wore the wheels off. Never changed the oil in it. My daddy fussed at me every time he saw me. You changed oil yet? No, sir. And I said, I'm just trying to see how long it'll go without the oil being changed. He said, you're going to blow it up, Jerome? I said, I'm going to wear it out before I blow it up. Because <laughs> I was driving three and a half way hours one way to seminary, three and a half hours back. I was preaching three churches, and I was having funerals every other week. I was wide open. Oh, man, I was preaching. Every time I drove to school, I preached on the road. I practiced preaching. I preached to everybody on US-1 by Raleigh. I was preaching at them while I was driving. You can preach a lot at people to make you mad, you know. You can really uh, preach. And I said, brother, I got to come over. And he said, what you coming for? And I said, I'll tell you. And I drove all the way to Fayetteville. I knocked on his door. He come out in his uniform. Here he is, an Army man. And I said, I want you to know. Before I even got in the door, I said, I want you to know that God is calling you. He said, what? And I said, God is calling you. I done had a dream, brother, and you know how it is with granddaddy and our dreams on the Smith side. We're all a little weird. We have dreams. And I said, in the dream, God has laid it upon you to be a preacher, to be a proclaimer. God has called you. And he said, come on in and get a cup of coffee because he loves coffee. Man, that boy loves coffee. And I sat down. He said, I want you to know, Jerome. He said, the other day, I was jumping out of an airplane. While I was floating down, I heard God calling me. <laughs> if there's any place you could be called, it's when you jump out of an airplane. Because the only thing between you and God is a parachute. So he answered the call. He left the army as a sergeant, an enlisted man with a college degree, by the way. And then he went to that school called Duke. And he's at Duke when I'm finishing up Southeastern at Wake Forest. He put Duke on everything. He put Duke on his lawnmower. He had Duke on shirts. He just Duke this, Duke that. And I said, what is the deal with all that? He said, you don't go to Duke. I do. And I said, well, good for you. <laughs> now, my daughter goes to Duke. God bless her. God bless her. So he answered the call. But you notice what Jesus is doing here. He went from there and he saw two other brothers, James, the sons of Zebedee and John. See, that's who I consider me and my brother in the shadow of and the light of, the sons of Zebedee. Because when I went to the Holy Land, when I went to Capernaum that day, I was asked to give the devotion. On that very day, I almost knocked myself out. And I'm standing up there and I'm starting to give the devotion and the sky is so blue and it's so beautiful and suddenly in the midst of that beautiful blue sky a peal of thunder sounds. 
And it sounds so loud, it shakes the very ground we're standing upon. And, and I'm looking around going, what was that? And I was thinking somebody dropped a bomb somewhere. And the guy said, no, we'll get thunder through the mountains sometimes that have come through the mountains. And I'm thinking to myself, well, that's why they're called the sons of thunder. Because here I am standing on the very ground these brothers stood upon. And they're called the sons of thunder because they lived in a place where thunder would sound. And I knew then because... On that day, my brother was with me, and we're both young preachers trying to proclaim the gospel to the best of our ability. God has opened the door like Jesus has opened the door to James and John, to Simon Peter and Andrew, and they were doing what they were doing, and then God had them do what he would have them do. God is calling each one of us. God is calling you to something greater. God is calling you to something greater. And do not think you know what it is yet because you likely do not. You do not know what door will open and what will happen. I had no idea when I was playing with ham radio and I was making that uh, early computer at Hornet Central in the 1970s that God would use my ability or my creativity with computers and technology to end up creating the very websites our church runs on, including unitedmethodist.org. I did not know God would take what little talent I had and make it into the greater glory he calls me to, like he is doing that with each one. No, it can be done. And some say, well, we can't do it now. Yes, you can. Did you know Grandma Moses didn't become a famous painter until she was over 60 years old? It does not matter how old we are. It's how young we are in Christ. Christ is calling us. It didn't matter that Simon Peter and Andrew had a fishing business and James and John worked with their old man, their dad. That's what we called our dad, the old man. That was a term of endearment. The old man, he's, he's coming. He used to get us up every morning. Always had a project. He believed in digging holes. I don't know why he loved to dig a hole and then fill it back up. It comes from his army days in Korea. They call that child abuse there today, you know, not child abuse. They weren't child abuse. I've learned to dig a pretty good hole. I can't dig them much anymore. Mr. Johnny, he can tell you that. They dug holes all around the parsonage, didn't they, Mr. Johnny? Because they get, well, the water wasn't draining right. The water was causing a problem. It's fixed now. It's fixed now. You hear that? It's fixed. And the reason it's fixed is it got done. Isn't that right? It got done. It didn't get procrastinated and say we're going to get to it because by the time that would have happened, we would have had uh, just a Grand Canyon going on because that water was cutting into everything. See, see, we got to get things done. God wants us to get things done. Now, what, what do we got to get done? We got to get a lot done. We're living right now in the least Christian society of any society in the history of America. On average, everybody you meet, only a few, a handful, actually believe in this God that we believe in. And certainly, they don't believe in the Jesus we know. We got to get things done. We got to let got a fish. But there was one problem with that children's sermon. And you kids spotted it, I know. There was no line on that pole. <laughs> fish do not have a tendency to jump into the bucket. Now, now the banks they do because they mean. And believe me, they got lines out there that would catch a man. Some of those wicked tuna guys, oh, believe me, they would. You know, they fend me a few times of that. I, I'm, I'm famous, yeah, yeah. Eight seconds of fame. Eight seconds of fame. 
they had me praying, you know, in that one episode. And I say, dear Lord, and then it's, bless all the fishermen. Amen. And I said, I think I prayed a lot longer than that. They just cut it out, you know. <laughs> you can do that, by the way. You can cut my whole sermon out to what I said at the beginning. At the end, you get the same thing out of it. That's okay to do that. I think Brad does that on occasion. I'm picking on you, Brad. You don't do that. I know you don't. You put the whole thing on there. See, the reason that I, I know that is because these fishermen, uh, they know what they're doing. And James and John and Andrew and Peter, they knew what they were doing, and now they're learning something totally new. And it's to be a Christian. To be one who walks in the way. And how do we do that? Jesus went throughout Galilee teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. Christ is alive and well in 2020. America is not so far gone the gospel cannot reach it. Though we may think the darkness is encroaching upon us, though we may think that midnight is close, it is not. For the dawn is about to break. The dawn is about to break. They say that you can get into a well, which I wouldn't advise doing, but in the middle of the day, you can stand in a well at the bottom of a 50-foot whale and look up and see the stars because the light won't reach inside of the well that deep and you're only seeing the sky beyond. Sisters and brothers, we're seeing a place that is not darkness dotted with stars. We're seeing a kingdom made of light. And every day this kingdom of God is drawing closer to us. And every day we can feel God's love and grace surrounding us. You've seen the old, uh, old pictures from the Middle Ages of the halos around people, the auras around their head, and the reason is God's presence is shining upon us. And the better we are, the better we become, the more they see Jesus. It's an old, old story. About a man of glory. See, Jesus calls us. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for this day and for the episodes of life. Thank you for helping us to overcome the troubles. But Lord, most of all, thank you for your love and your light. This little light of mine, oh Lord, I'm going to let it shine. In Jesus' holy, sweet name we pray, amen.